What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the PicSwap Media YouTube channel. The NBA draft is now in the books. The offseason is in full swing. A quiet night from the Philadelphia 76ers for the most part. They did not make an NBA draft selection in either round, but they did walk away with a handful of interesting guys in the two-way contract and exhibit 10 vicinity. Uh, I do want to discuss that, what each of these guys brings to the table, what to expect from them for Summer League, and, of course, address the leaked draft board that did pop out and take headlines from the Sixers' perspective. So, of course, never a dull, dull moment with this organization, and I'm excited. So let's get into it. Step back, Jay. Sixers looking very focused in the second half. Maxi looking for more. He's got it. Daniel House will up and under on the lob and then flies in with the emphatic one hand jam. So to kick things off, and, and what stole the the spotlight of the, the NBA draft from the Sixers' perspective was the board leaking. And I do want to shout out uh, Kyle Newbeck of the Philly Voice, who was the first one to break this story. And I will pull up the original picture that he tweeted out and how this exactly came about was there was a message. Somebody in the Sixers organization, which it still has not quite been uh, announced who it is, and I do hope that there is. I mean, it can't be. A, a long list of people who it is who had access to even looking at this board for the fact that to hit the the internet is still pretty crazy. And when you think back on, on leaks from a draft board's perspective in years past, I think about the Miami Dolphins as an example of it and a couple other teams, it's always been like in the background, pretty blurry and just like forgotten that it's part of the image. This is not that. This is dead center. Somebody put on their Instagram story a picture of the Sixers draft board. Now, this isn't the most classified information. This isn't their target prospects or things like that, but just still very just dumb to do and pretty crazy that it is even getting out there. And you can see on the left part of this uh, of this screen that these are the draft picks, the second round picks for cash that they were looking to buy in. There were reports throughout the night that they were active trying to buy in, that the uh, ownership had given the green, green light to buy in. That obviously did not come to fruition, whether it was team seeing this, being aware the second round selections are increasingly more valuable under the new CBA and keeping low contracts like that. So I think the price was driven up. We have seen the Sixers buy into the second round in years past. That's what they did to get the Charles Bassey pick a couple years ago with that. Um, but it did not come together with that. And then on the left side of the screen, and I will switch gears and pull up this picture here. Shout out to Clutch underscore Chris on Twitter, a pretty cool Sixers follower follow a guy who's uh, involved in the Sixers conversation. He did his best to decode things here. And it is tough to tell exactly what it is. It is pretty blurry, uh, but it looks like some sort of depth chart that is uh, seen. And, and Kyle acknowledges this in his article as well. And what you can see on the second board is at point guard, there is just Tyrese Maxey. At shooting guard, there's D'Anthony Melton and Furkan Korkmaz. Look at Furk uh, sitting at number two there. Jaden Springer comes in third. He's kind of in the middle between the shooting guard and point guard uh, category, which is a little bit interesting. Uh, definitely looks like he's trending more toward the shooting guard side of things, but I do think that at least is something. Uh, small forward James Harden in red ink is weird. You know, James Harden, the the small forward, uh, not quite. I haven't seen him play like a small forward in like over a decade at this point. He's much more of a true point guard for sure. Last year, the guy that ran the offense and really throughout most of his career at this point, he has really turned into a true point guard. So it is weird to see him at small forward. That's also in red ink. Uh, my assumption there being that because he's not officially signed, because he's a free agent, if you look down a little bit in the center category, you can see that Paul Reed also 
in red ink there and Philip Petrusev also in red ink. Two guys that also aren't officially on roster, and I'll touch on them in a second. Uh, Daniel House Jr. behind him, he obviously opted into his deal, so he will be back next year. At power forward, we have Tobias Harris right there in the black ink and P.J. Tucker behind him, so interesting him not in the starting lineup based on this depth chart. And then at center, we have Joel Embiid, of course, and then Paul Reed in red and Philip Petrusev in red. There's been a ton of reports of Petrusev, the Sixers' interest in him. Uh, they've been kind of watching him under a microscope from overseas. This was a draft and stash guy from a couple years ago. Uh, all signs seem to be pointing to him wanting to make his NBA rival come to the Sixers and, and at least contend at the NBA level. Honestly, I don't know if I quite see it from looking at him in his exposure in summer league. He's got a cool story. Went to Gonzaga. He's been the Adriatic League MVP. His scouting report and what I saw with my eyes were pretty different. He's been a guy who the reputation is offensively. He's pretty gifted and defensively was his weakness. I saw the exact opposite in summer league. I thought he had some really, really nice flashes as a rim protector. Uh, looked good on the defensive end, but was kind of lost offensively. Really never found his flow. Uh, I assume that he will be coming over and participating in this year's summer league, which the schedule just dropped for that. So hopefully that he made some improvements to his game, that there's something to take away there. Uh, but I do think the expectation is him for to be that third string center. And Paul Reed does seem along with James Harden, the most likely of the free agents to come back. So good to see him on this list. Paul Reed has been in the Sixers facility working out. So all signs are pointing toward that. But I do think that is the reason for the red there. Something also to note is that there is no sign of Jalen McDaniels, Shake Milton, or Georges Niang in this depth chart. But if you do look a little bit lower into this bottom and in this little box here, it's difficult to tell exactly uh, what it is. To me, it looks like McDaniels in the middle and Niang also in that but there's a lot of questions and, and it is tough to make out. Another thing that should be referenced is that first little uh, little word or whatever you want to call it in that box. It looks like it says PG. Does that mean point guard? Does that mean Paul George? I know there was a ton of debate over the internet. I know we're reading into this way too much all over the place, but you know, if you're going to leave this on the internet, if this is going to get out, this is what Sixers fans are going to do. And I do think it's our responsibility to talk about it, break it down. Uh, I've seen a couple different guys trying reports. I'm not confident enough in any of these statements for what it says. Uh, Milton may be in the mix. There's a couple other. The bottom line is this was reckless on the, the Sixers part to even let this get out. I am shocked that this is uh, available for our eyes to see, but that isn't the biggest deal in the world. I, I hope Daryl Morey is asked about it at the press conference in the first time. I hope this is addressed that the media is brought up whenever that press conference may be. Uh, but either way, nothing too crazy to build on there. So it looked like that was it from the Sixers' perspective, that that was it for the draft. They did not make a selection until a couple minutes following the draft when it was clear they were very active in the, the option. And, and, and another thing to note with the new CBA is in past years, there's only been two two-way slots per team. That has been built or extended to three now. So there are three spots for two-way deals, and the Sixers filled all three of them within a couple minutes after the draft. And that is, by the way, of Ricky Council the fourth out of Arkansas, Turkavian Smith out of NC State, Azulas Tubelas out of Arizona, and then Marcus Bagley, I also want to bring up, who signed an Exhibit 10 deal, essentially a glorified high-paid G League deal, but it is a, a clear pathway to the NBA, and that is an interesting guy. So I want to talk a little bit about each one of these guys here. I'm going to start out with the guy that I am the most excited about, and that's Turkavian Smith. So I'm pulling up a couple of his highlights here. I want to start by saying that Turkavian Smith is a guy who's an example of kind of the going back to college game plan does not work out great for you that this was a guy who last year he was one of my guys leading up to the draft that I really liked that I was ready to vouch for and really think that he's a a potential steal of the draft he was a, a fringe first round pick borderline second round pick guy he decided to go back to college and, and try and up that draft stock and and climb into a cemented lottery selection 
that did not happen, unfortunately. And uh, I'm a little disappointed in like the perception of him to get into a little bit more of who he is. He's 20 years old, spent two years at NC state. He's very fun to watch. He uh, was a very dynamic backcourt partner with Jarkel Joyner, Jarkel Joyner and Turkavian Smith also by far the coolest backcourt names across the entire country this year. Uh, but Smith stands six foot four. He only weighs 165 pounds. That's one of the biggest concerns is he is pretty slight of frame and, uh, you can see it in his game that there were many moments where he would get back down. If he gets a bigger guy on him, they attack his body and he really can't quite hold up yet. And he's also a lot of his game is built off his pace, his juice, his athleticism that there is a little bit of concern that like with his body type, as he starts to put on weight, does that slow down his burst, his speed? And because look at the way he's able to take off and his athleticism is something that I want to circle back to in a second. He's a solid scorer overall, very good athlete. Uh, catch and shoot threat his numbers were better as a freshman in his catch and shoot numbers but he's still very high he's good from the corners which is super appealing a uh, solid ball handler he's good at creating his own shot but on the downside of things some of the concerns for Turkavian is undersized for the two guard spot at six foot four and a slight of frame as I mentioned he's not a dynamic playmaker he struggled uh his freshman that was the biggest area of growth that I think that was looked for and hoped for for Turkavian Smith as a freshman he had 2.1 assists per game he did up that number to 4.1 assists as a sophomore but it still was not as comfortable or he just still was not a guy who you can kind of trust to captain an offense and be a true point guard in that way which I think disappointed teams and and had him shrink down a little bit uh, also his shot selection at times got out of control. He's a guy who can catch fire and is so fun to watch when that is the case. And we saw it on many occasions this year uh, and, and in his freshman year as well, where he did take over, but there's also times where he's not going to stop shooting when he doesn't have it either. And to me, like you can take that either, either positively or negatively, but some of the shot selection, just pulling up and taking some shots early in the shot clock just aren't beneficial and did hurt NC state at times. So that is things that he is not going to have the freedom to do at the NBA level. And he's going to have to figure out how to get maximum impact off his minimal opportunities, especially as he first starts out to get into his stats overall as a freshman, he averaged 16.3 points per game. That was up to 17.9 points per game this year. As I mentioned, the assists nearly doubled going from 2.1 to 4.1. So he did show some growth as a playmaker, but even watching, like, I still don't get the feel that he is like a, a guy that in the long term is going to be a true point guard. That's just not how I see him as a basketball car, uh, as a basketball player, unfortunately. His rebounding numbers shrank a little bit. Uh, average 4.1 rebounds per game as a freshman. That dropped down to 3.6. Not a huge deal there. Uh, 1.3 steals per game as a freshman. 1.4 steals per game this year. And, and the efficiency is the, the bigger knock on him. That goes hand-in-hand hand with the shot selection as a whole. Uh, shot just 38% from the field this year on 16.1 attempts. That number went down a little bit. He shot 39.8% from the field on 14.3 attempts as a freshman. Neither of those are good enough. Both those have to improve. And then from beyond the arc, the numbers went down as well. Shot just 33.6% this year on eight attempts per game. As a freshman, he was 36.9%. So even though they are kind of small dips, those percentages matter significantly for prospects. And it is tough. Like I, I always feel bad for these guys for how much of their future is dictated by like a small percentage, especially with three pointers and, and things like that. But this was the case for Turkavian Smith that him not taking that step as like a knockdown shooter and just being like a pretty good shooter kind of limits things. But the, at the same time, like maybe this is a by the dip moment that he does have more in him. I, I think Jarkel Joyner and him, were too similar to the point where they kind of stepped on each other's toes in terms of what they were good at at moments in the backcourt when they were both on they were very fun nc state i think gave him a little too much freedom he's obviously gonna have to play in a much more structured role at the nba level but he does to me have some juice and to bring up his him as an athlete and i'm gonna switch gears to talk about the next guy in this 
Turkavian Smith as an athlete is very much smooth. He's explosive. He's quick twitch. He's like a almost a long jumper the way he like gets through the lane and is able to, to pivot and get through that. He's very much like a, a smooth athlete. And, and he has that pace. He has that burst. He has that first step. These are all things that I really like. This is the guy that I'm most excited about. I do think that he's going to get some time on the two-way deal. I think that he will have his moments where it's going to be fun to watch with the blue coats where he absolutely takes over. And I also think there is a place for him on the Sixers to have a couple minutes, especially on those days where they're limited on guards. Uh, Shake Milton looks like he is out the door. There should be some minutes for the taking at the guard position. And I also want to just brush over. I'll circle back to this more at the end, but I feel like there's a more clear direction for the developmental path. I think that's being established in the Sixers in a way that has not been the case in years past. We've seen guys in and out shuffling. We've seen so much turnover within the Sixers organization that it looks like there's starting to be some groundwork laid for how guys can be developed. And frankly, that's how a good organization is run. So that path needs to continue. There needs to be that step. So for me, I need to see Jaden Springer get some time with the real Sixers this year. And Turkavian Smith is a guy that I want to step in and fill some of his minutes of the Blue Coats, and as well as get an opportunity with the Sixers as well. The next guy that I want to jump into, which I think the consensus is who most people are excited about, is Ricky Council the fourth out of Arkansas. And if you guys follow me on Twitter, have followed my draft takes, talked about, I talked about Nick Smith. I mean, Nick Smith and Anthony Black, both guys out of Arkansas that I was particularly low on and I thought were a little overrated in the draft prospect. And frankly, Anthony Black, who went sixth overall to the Magic, is a guy that I have at the top of my mind as a, a bust potential guy. A lot of the reason why I think that is because this was a very talented Arkansas team. And I think my guys on this team were way more Ricky Council the fourth and Jordan Walsh. Those were guys that I think for many flashes of time just outplayed these two guys that were these highly touted recruits and, and first round picks. And Ricky Council, way more of the, the scorer of the bunch. Jordan Walsh is that lockdown defender, uh, a guy that I love, and I'm very disappointed to see how he landed on the Boston Celtics. I think he's going to be a guy that fits in, has a role, and I think that's a great pickup for them. But Ricky Council, when we talk about all these talented players, he led Arkansas in scoring this year, and he very much was their go-to scorer at moments. His ability to get to the rim is unbelievable, and he is uh, another super high-level high athlete. When I talk about Turkavian Smith as a high athlete, I just said how he's kind of smooth, more like that. Ricky Council the fourth is like a power athlete, that he's a guy that wants to get up, throw it down as hard as he possibly can. He's a highlight reel type of guy. Adding these type of athletes is a very welcome sight to the Sixer organization. We've seen these guys that are so one-dimensional, so flat-footed, so below average, below the NBA average in terms of athleticism, the Furkan Korkmaz, the Georges Nyangs, even the Matisse Thibault, guys like that that just don't have that. Both Turkavian Smith and Ricky Council the fourth are guys that like you drop off at a random uh, blacktop or playground that they are dominating guys and in a way that guys like Furkan and guys like Matisse Thibault simply aren't able to do. So these are more my speed of style players that I think are healthy to developing a, a culture with an organization, a competitive drive with an organization, things like that. Both these guys completely fit. To get into a little bit more about Ricky Council specifically, uh, 21 years old, six foot six. He's a little bigger than Turkavian, 205 pounds, more filled out. He's got a six foot nine wingspan. He's also a combo guard type of player. He attacks the rim incredibly well. That's the best part of his game. That was very difficult on an Arkansas team. There was only two players on this Arkansas team uh, that shot over 35% from three. And both of them were very limited in minutes. One guy was limited to just nine games this season. The other only played limited minutes per, per game. So there just was not that high level of spacing. And to, to be honest, that makes his ability to get to the rim and his effectiveness in getting the rim even more impressive. Not that I would say these Sixers are in uh, 
a, a terrific spot as far as floor spacing goes, but it will be a little better than Arkansas got. The, the scouting report on them was very much pack the paint, don't let guys attack the rim, and he still found ways to do it. Beyond that, he's a good ball handler, a solid defender. Uh, he is a guy that has a competitive drive on both sides of the floor that he will take like a one-on-one matchup on the defensive end pretty personally and ensure that that guy does not get by him. He does compete. I love that about him a lot. He's also a pretty good off-ball mover when he does not, when there was moments like Nick Smith or Anthony Black running the show. You still saw Ricky Council the fourth being involved, making some off-ball cuts and creating shots without having it. That's huge to me, and that's a skill that I think goes under-recognized and underutilized when, when looking at prospects. That's one of the reasons that I've been in on Cam Whitmore, who's one of the draft's biggest followers at 20. I love how he is effective without the ball and create shots without having the ball in his hand. That ability to cut, some of it guys learn over time, the more power they become as basketball players, but there isn't an instinctual fact to it. I don't think Ricky Council is that elite as a cutter on the same level of that, but he still shows flashes of the understanding of where to be, how to get to spots and create things, and, and that's huge from that perspective. The knocks, the shooting is the biggest thing. That's probably going to be the sink or swim moment for if he can be an NBA player. The form does not look great. He shoots it low, kind of from his chest. There's a little bit of a hitch in it. The percentage is also not there. Uh, as a whole, he shot just 27% from three this year. He did show better signs. He played at Wichita State the two years before this season at, at Arkansas. He had his best season for sure this year, but from purely a, a shooting standpoint, he had better numbers at Wichita State, and he shot 33.9% over the two years on 2.3 attempts per game. Uh, this year, like I said, 27%. He attempted 3.5 per game, so the volume went up. The efficiency went down. That's typically how things go with guys, but it's not a, super intriguing when looking at his long-term potential. I do think that there's a chance that there needs to be some mechanical adjustments in there. Uh, we'll see if he's open to that, if it's effective, and if that can change things. But if he can be like a league average NBA three-point shooter, I think there's a chance Ricky Council sticks. If he doesn't, I'm not sure if he's good enough in these other areas to quite make up for it. Uh, but beyond that, he doesn't have like the elite burst. I talked about with Turkavian that I really like that about him. Ricky Council doesn't create that way that he's, like I said, more of like a power athlete, that he wants to be explosive, get up and down, get vertical, slam it hard, but he's not like blowing past guys. He doesn't have that first step that you can't keep with, things like that. He's also not great as a playmaker, uh, 2.3 assists per game, so he's not a guy that's going to be running an offense either, but he is effective off ball, which can make up for that. So I, when I look at these two specifically in Turkavian Smith and Ricky Council, the fourth, or, who are by far the, the two guys out of the four that I'm going to talk about that I have the most hope for, Turkavian, I think his fit is like a shooting guard who can create sometimes. I think R Ricky Council is more of like a shooting guard who is more comfortable in the off ball. And they have guys, the Sixers have guys that are ball dominant in Tyrese Maxey looking like James Harden. So it isn't like a must that he should. I mean, you obviously want these guys to have as many layers to their, to their game as possible. But if he can become a specialist as an effective off-ball guy, that, that still speaks volumes, and that could be very impressive and very effective in the long run. Um, overall, his stats, 16.1 points per game. As I mentioned, he led that Arkansas team in scoring with some really talented guys uh, on it, three guys picked in this draft, two of them first-round picks, and Anthony Black, the number six overall guy. So a lot of talent on that roster, and he still was a guy that led the, led the statistical category in scoring. Also added 3.6 rebounds per game. 2.3 assists, as I mentioned, and 1.1 steals. Shot 43.3% from the field overall, despite going 27% from three. Shot 50% from on two-pointers, which is a really high number. That's the opposite of what we saw with Turkavian Smith, that his mid-range and his around-the-rim numbers were not high. That's not Ricky Council. He's a guy who gets up. He's a great finisher, things like that. So 
that aspect of things is very exciting. I've seen a lot of positive things. Got a lot of guys really liking him. Uh, per Jonathan Gavoni, that these two, both Turkavian Smith and Ricky Council, the fourth, are uh, were the top two available undrafted free agents. So for the Sixers to get both and two guys that I think stylistically are, are good fits and add something to the organization, that's a great sign. And also, probably my favorite part about Ricky Council, the fourth, that I wanted to make sure I brought up. He's not a fourth generation Ricky Council. His father's name is Ricky Council, and he has two brothers, one named Ricky Council the second, and one named Ricky Council the third. So he went by four a lot and C4, talking about like his explosion and Council the fourth there. So pretty funny, pretty cool. But yeah, there is uh, four Ricky Councils on this earth right now, and they're all in the same family, an interesting family tree, the way that wraps up. Next up on the list, I have Zulus Tubelis out of Arizona, a guy that was up there with among the most talented college basketball players in the entire country last year, a three-year guy who spent his time at Arizona, uh, a guy that the Sixers seemed to really like, and uh, they had him in for a workout. So between the college film and between that that workout, that private workout that they held, they clearly liked what they saw, and he was a, a pretty high target of them as an undrafted guy. To get into specifically who he is, one of my greater concerns I'll start right off with, he was listed at six foot eleven. He only measured in at six foot eight in the combine, and that's a big swing for a guy who is primarily going to be a big man as his role in the NBA. Six foot eight is like big wing size in the NBA. Six foot eight is not really center size or four power forward size, which is what I kind of project this guy to be. If he was six foot 11, I would feel a little better about it. But I will say that he is a still a high level rebounder. And I mean, he plays bigger than six foot eight would indicate for sure. Uh, 21 years old, weighs 245 pounds from Lithuania originally. He's kind of that power forward center mold. In theory, he's the type of like stretch forward that the Sixers are looking for. Kind of cut from the same mold as Philip Petrusev. Uh, both guys have questions. I'm honestly not particularly high on either one of them. This is a guy I unfortunately don't have a ton of hope for for cutting it for the Sixers. Uh, my biggest red flag is on the defensive end. He struggled defensively in college. Uh, his athleticism is just not there. His size isn't there. His defensive instincts aren't there. And that's all going to be even further exposed at the NBA level. Uh, but who knows? I do like it as a two-way option. It's worth a flyer on. Uh, he's very skilled in the post. He's got really nice touch around the rim. He also has some creation ability, which is surprising to see. He's a guy who will grab and go, take it coast to coast, make a nice pass down the other end. Those are rare to see out of guy in college with his size, with his frame, and with his general style of play. So he does have some really nice uh, post ability, some just great touch around the rim. He's got a little like Sabonis in the game, the way he can kind of create some dribble handoff stuff, things like that. I see a ton of potential for that area of his game to keep growing. But beyond that, I mean, defensively is once again where I keep circling back to that I just don't know if I see him sticking. And he's still more of like an in-theory stretch big. He was not a knockdown three-point shooter as much as he has this nice touch. And to get into his numbers specifically, this year he thought he shot 31.3% from three on just 0.9 three-point attempts per game. That number went down this season, which I was disappointed to see. As a freshman, he shot 1.6 three-point attempts per game. As a sophomore, he was 1.1 three-point attempts per game. And this season, 0.9. So not the trajectory that we want to see him on. And, and his scoring numbers as a whole did go up. So it's not like his effectiveness was dropping. But if he's going to fit this like true stretch big man role, he's got to get those numbers up. And that percentage is, once again, kind of be a little bit of a, a sink or swim moment for him. As a whole, he averaged 19.8 points per game, 9.1 rebounds, which is really high, 2.0 assists, uh, 1.1 steal, 0.7 blocks, shot 57% from the field overall, which is impressive numbers there. Uh, but yeah, I, I, to me, I think like the defense is going to be too much of a concern. It's good to bring in this archetype of player, these these stretch forwards. That that's what the Sixers have been missing. That was kind of, if you want to throw it back, the theory behind that Al Horford signing was adding a guy like that next to Joel Embiid, 
I just have concern about either Petrusev or Tabulas being good enough in this area. But either way, he was a very talented college player. There's definitely something to his game. I think he does some things that people don't recognize. So it's worth a shot. It's worth a two-way deal. And we'll see what he will bring out. And lastly, we will shift to the biggest question mark of the Sixers editions, which is Marcus Bagley, who agreed to an Exhibit 10 deal, which once again, I said is more or less a glorified G League deal, but a clearer path to getting onto the real NBA team. This is a guy who nobody has any real clue what to make of. Uh, to get into fully exactly who he is, he is the brother of Marvin Bagley, who went second overall in the 2018 draft, was drafted by the Sacramento Kings, plays for the Detroit Pistons now, has had some okay moments in his NBA career, definitely has not lived up to the expectations since he has got there. Now, his brother Marcus is an even stranger story. So to, to circle back, he was a five-star recruit. He was ranked 30th in the country, according to Rivals. He's only 21 years old, six foot eight, 215 pounds. He's more of the traditional wing mold than his brother, Marvin Bagley, a little bit more of a post-up uh, big man, a little bit more of like a, a tweener big man kind of role, more of the power forward. Uh, Marcus, who the Sixers now have and, and who I'm showing from Arizona State here, he's more of the like small forward three and D style of archetype of player. He's not as much like his brother in that regard. Overall, he averaged 10.9 points, 5.5 rebounds, and 1.2 assists, but I honestly don't think the numbers should be read into just about at all. He played a total of just 17 games at the college level. He was both for a variety of injury reasons as well as some uh, disciplinary reasons. There was some weird kind of immaturity stuff with him. He got suspended, uh, talked about tw basically tweeting out online some negative stuff, and not never anything that was like too much of a red flag, but just some immature stuff. Like he sent out a tweet when he was uh, dismissed or – was away from the organization for a little while. He sent out a tweet basically saying like, kids be super careful about where you pick to, pick to go to college. Like they dictate a ton of what your future holds and, and stuff like that, that obviously like a coach is going to read and not be super happy to see. So there's still a huge question of what exactly this guy is. Cause there's just not enough tape to really go off on the basketball court. And in theory, he's like a guy that's a, a good buy low guy. Uh, I'm a guy that believes in betting on talent. And you see a guy who was, you know, the 30th ranked, recruit in the country just a couple years ago three years he hasn't really had a chance to showcase his stuff i also think like that is very harmful in your developmental track that these are the, the prime years of a basketball player of figuring out who you are on the court to not get consistent minutes in game situations is definitely a big deal and should not go unnoticed but it's still like like i mentioned he's going to be at the g league level we're going to get a chance to see he's going to get a chance to to play through his weaknesses if he does find a way to work it's icing on the cake but this definitely isn't a guy that the sixers should be banking on completely. But either way, he does have that name brand. He does have that track record. And he does have some pedigree to his recruiting profile. So I'm interested to see what the Sixers think of him and if there is a way that he can kind of shake things out. So to wrap up and give my final thoughts here, I do want to note, like, it's obviously disappointing the Sixers didn't do more because they didn't have a draft pick at all, didn't have an actual selection to make. But I do really like this, this mindset of attacking in the margins, in these undrafted. These are areas that absolutely matter. I mean, you look at the Miami Heat. They've got an undrafted guys running their entire organization and making huge plays in an NBA final stage. So taking advantage and giving shots to guys at that stage is, is a big deal and how successful organizations should do it. And with Nick Nurse now as head coach of the Sixers, there seems to be way more of like an eye-to-eye -eye meeting and, and just game plan for the developmental track of players. Doc Rivers was very clearly not on the, the game plan of trying to develop young, young guys, of trying guys out. He was very close-minded in his, his approach to roster construction, to who guys are. Nick Nurse, the reputation is much different from that. 
I know from his time with Daryl Morey, the first time when Nurse was coaching at the G League level for the Rockets organization, that was the entire game plan. As they were cycling guys in and out, they were trying new systems, new new formations, styles of play, defenses, uh, everything about it. It was just let's see what works, let's see what doesn't. I, I mean, the Sixers are still very much in win now mode, so I don't expect that level of uh, expansion and exploratory uh, just game planning there. But I still think it's important to have flexibility and, and have an idea. So to bring these level of talent guys in without a pick is pretty impressive. I think both Turkavion and Ricky Council were guys that deserve to be drafted and hear their name as at least second rounders. Turkavion, like I said, I, last year I believed in him as a first round pick. And I think part of that is telling to how deep this year's draft was, which hopefully the Sixers pounced and capitalized on that. And part of that is just like him not taking the steps that was hoped. But either way, we will take that. The Sixers are walking away with something. It is something a little to get excited about, I guess. But there's still plenty to, more to do in this offseason. I mean, you look around, you see some of these trades being done. You see the Celtics shipping off Marcus Smart for Chris Stapps, Porzingis. You see Chris Paul heading to the Warriors, Jordan Poole to the Wizards. There's a lot of moving parts happening around the NBA right now. The Sixers still have plenty more to do. I mean, you look at that board. You look at that league picture of what their depth chart looks like. It's not great right now. So there's still work to be done. I'm happy that they came away with something from the draft, but the bigger moves still absolutely have to occur this offseason. So let me know what you guys think of each of these new additions. If you have any level of excitement, I wouldn't blame you if you're not swayed by these guys whatsoever. It's definitely not something I think changes the future of the Sixers organization by any means. These are both guys that like maybe they work out. It's a little bit of a shot in the dark in each one of these guys, but it is something. It's something we can talk about, something we have to look forward to and hope for, and that's all I can kind of use to get through at this point. So once again, appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure to drop a like on this video, subscribe on the channel, drop a comment. Let me know your thoughts on each of these guys. And hopefully I'll be back soon with some more breaking and more important news regarding the Sixers.